We go over the major storylines with Wes Bryant, the Valley Sports Charlotte Hornets insider for Wes Wednesdays, and he also takes part in some show and tell. That all happens today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network every day. Your team, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. You can check us out anywhere you get your podcast. You can even check us out on YouTube. The subscribers, they're growing. They're growing fast. I think we're over 720 right now. We're well on our way to getting our faces painted at the 1,000 mark. We were able to rope in David Walker for that one. Wes is always, I mean, I feel like I don't want to, mess with your outfit Wes anytime so I'm not going to have you paint your face because you're always looking fresh you got the Hornets tee on today and I'm ready for show and tell in the third segment because you got something interesting to show us how have you been this week man I've been doing great man hopefully we can get another Hornets win tonight have me doing better I, I hope so Boston Celtics tonight we're going to get to that in just a moment we'll get to your show and tell we'll get to some of the major storylines Miles Bridges want to get your take on his 38 point performance but there's a couple of things breaking in the trade market yesterday one from the athletic and one from ESPN and just overall general news let's start with Miles Turner shocker we've been talking I mean he's got to hold the record for most mentions on a different team's podcast Miles Turner to the Hornets the last couple of years right like we've talked about him nonstop. yeah I'm trying to think of other players over the years that have entered you know the trade discussion with the Charlotte Hornets. I mean certainly we talked a lot about DeMarcus Cousins over the years about you know and the Hornets have yeah. lacked a a true anchor at the center position so it's not like Miles Turner is the first center to to enter these discussions but he has been pretty hot and heavy over the yeah, past couple of weeks and part of that is the Pacers problem right because they keep making mm -hmm. him available and then they don't ever pull the trigger the Hornets have constantly needed someone like him. Well, maybe you're turned off to that idea for just a little while because yesterday it was broken that he is expected to be sidelined beyond the February 10th trade deadline with a stress reaction in his left foot, complicating the franchise's hopes to deal him prior to the offseason. The Pacers, who announced the injury Tuesday, said Turner would be reexamined in two weeks for the stress reaction. Sources said the recovery time could be approximately one month. So because Miles Turner has been so heavily linked to the Charlotte Hornets in trade talks, potential trade uh, opportunities for the Hornets because they haven't had a big guy before, we've gone through this time and time again. Wes, I'll ask you, because of this injury, recovery time approximately one month, it's going to sideline him at least until after the February 10th trade deadline. Is this something that kind of erases any pursuit you would have for Miles Turner? Or maybe are you thinking you could get him uh, for a discount now? Like, what are your overall thoughts on hearing this news about Miles? Well, I mean, it's just more of what I thought about him. I said, I've told you guys before that he's a very injury-prone player. Uh, and that's a guy, you know, being dependable is one of the traits of being a great athlete. And when you look at this Hornets team, if you make a deal for him, I get maybe I don't know what the salary ramifications are. I'm not a GM like that, but uh, it's like offensively, you're not gaining a whole lot because he's not a classic back to the back, back to the basket big man. Mm -hmm. If you come down and say, "Hey, we need you to get us a buck," and you throw it down to him, and he turns into Shaq. 
He likes to shoot the ball. He's a stretch five. So really, the Hornets are top three in the NBA shooting threes, and they're one of the top three scoring teams, so you're not getting much there. Defensively, yes, he does uh, add to them. I'm not sure if he's still the leader in block shots, but I know at one point uh, this season he was, and that's one of his specialties. So, yes, you get that. You do get the rim defender that you covet. But, again, how much do you depend on him? Because we've seen with this Hornets team, they're more than capable when they put their minds together of playing really great defense. And most of their streaks this season, they've played great lockdown defense on the Lockdown podcast. You know, had to get the <laughs> plug in, you know. But the Hornets, they play really good defense when they put their minds to it. So, really, in my mind, I don't really see – what you're getting there and the reason why i bought up the salary salary thing is because okay are you looking at it to where okay we have to p pay pj and we don't want to necessarily do that and miles's contract makes more sense so i'm not sure there but as far as just on the court you do add a little bit defensively but i'm just not sure he's worth mm -hmm. the risk with his injury history yeah, I mean, this stress reaction is giving me a stress reaction because now the Hornets' options uh, to upgrade the center position, which they I, they absolutely need to upgrade. I, I don't, I don't, I don't th even though they've been playing better defense as of late, I still think if they want playoff success, mm -hmm. they've got to figure out that that center position. But I think this totally turns me off from Miles Turner at this point because, as I said, if the Pacers are looking for a, a, a young player. That young player would obviously be P.J. Washington. If you trade P.J. Washington in a deal for Miles Turner and Miles Turner comes to the Hornets and misses a, a considerable amount of the rest of the season, then you now are even further stretched at the center position. So it just doesn't make any sense. And, and Miles, yeah, as you said, I mean, he's missed – uh, I think over uh, 85 games uh, at this point in his career. So this isn't something new coming out of the draft. It's why I think it's part of the reason why his draft stock fell into the deeper parts of the first round, because coming out of college, he had issues with his gait, the way he ran, uh, his sort of his physical build that people said, hey, this is going to lead to injuries. And I remember specifically people mentioning his feet and feet injury, like foot injuries in the NBA are serious. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's something like stress reactions in the foot can end careers. So uh, I think this is something the Hornets absolutely have to take seriously and maybe look at some smaller options that we were discussing in the previous podcast. Yeah, I mean, if you, you look at how many games he's missed, right, like over the last couple of seasons, it's been a little more pronounced. Now, we only played 47 games last year. 42 so far this season he's probably going to get up to about what 60 something like that 65 that would be amount the amount that he played in 2019 and 2020 to me it's not enough missed games to completely wash my hands of the idea and say you know what we're good with what we have I actually think if you can get him on a discount now then I would still give it just the same amount of attention as I would previously if the Pacers are trying to play hardball and say we still want two first rounders or an established young player and another first rounder on top of that then like all right Indiana I'm good y'all can keep that we'll keep ours and we'll just go and handle business just as we do every single day the interesting part about this too though is the athletic John Hollinger he wrote about the Charlotte Hornets interest in Christian Wood who is another center prospect we've talked about a decent amount Christian Wood was somebody that the Hornets showed interest in during free agency in his last stand. And if you look at his game log, it's funny. Miles Turner started off red hot shooting from three. Still great defensively, much better than Christian Wood is. Certainly one of the better rim protectors. Like you're getting Miles for his defense and the threat of him shooting threes. 
Christian Wood offensively has been just phenomenal in the last 10 games. He's shooting above 50% in so many of them. He's, he's averaging about 19 points per game for the Houston Rockets. They have a few more wins to their name. They're not the dumpster fire that they were at the beginning of the season. You know, Wes is there. I Look, we got to see Christian Wood play the Charlotte Hornets. We saw him go for 33 in that game against Charlotte. He's somebody else that's interesting. Like, I guess... We've talked about Miles Turner with you. You're not necessarily a fan because of him being injury prone, and that makes sense. It's a big risk. But just overall, let's just talk about adding a center to this roster in the first place, Wes. Like, do, do you find it that much of a necessity that they need to make that upgrade? Or do you think, let's just roll with it at P, with P.J. Washington playing small ball five. Same thing with Mason Plumley when you need to go a little bigger, and we'll, we'll just figure out the money problems as they come along. I think you have to assess where you are in your process like what is your goal for this season is it to get to the eastern conference finals is it to get to the nba finals like what's your goal at this juncture or do you feel like next year you could get to the eastern conference finals because that to me determines kind of what you do because pj has been playing really good defense i saw a stat the other day i, I can't remember in what game span it was, but his defensive rating was like a 96-9. Like, it was up there uh, as far as him being one of the, the better defenders over X amount of games. So, as I said with the Hornets, they've shown a propensity to play really good defense when they want to do it as a team. So, that's why I look at it and I say, okay, what will you give up to get that quote-unquote center? And what center would you be getting? Because like we said, we talked about Miles Turner and why we might not want him, but the Hornets getting a center, period. I do like that, but then you also have to factor in how the Hornets play on offense. This is one of the, I think they're number one in the NBA and pace. So if you do bring a big in, what type of big are you bringing in as well? Is it a guy that's going to slow down the offense? Is it a guy that is going to be a black hole where there's not many bigs like that anymore where you throw the ball down to them and tell him, get him a bucket, like the era that you guys came up on as well as I did in the 90s. So I guess it just determines what type. I mean, what you really would like, ideally, is for Kai Jones to rapidly develop. Uh, because I feel like when he develops, I really think he could be a really, really nice piece for this team if you can if you can get him to come around. But it's how long uh, do you want to wait? And as I said, where are you in the process? Because I believe by year three like I think next year he he should start to show flashes and then by year three I really think that he could be a problem because he's exactly what would fit with this Hornets team uber athletic he's got the height he can block shots he can jump out of the gym so really that's the guy I would want to develop I feel like he's there on your roster if you can get him around so just as far as getting a center it just determines what you're going to give up how big of an impact because really offensively when you talk about a guy like Christian Wood it's just the Hornets are so good offensively. It's like, to yeah. me, they can't really find many guys that can add anything offensively to this team. It's just more so what can you bring to the table defensively and can you assimilate with the way the Hornets like to play offense? Yeah, yeah, like, like Doug, well, real quickly, my bad, I'll set you up. Like, I mean, Christian Wood, I know you've been interested in the past. Offensively, he does fit 
very well. Like this offense, even if it is number one, I mean, you put Christian Wood at the five, it would blossom that much more because he can run. He can play above the rim. He's also shooting close to 40% from three in this recent stretch of games that he's played. But defensively, Wes brings up, man, like we've been championing PJ's defense. We know Miles, what he would bring. Like, I think that's that's the difference that you have right now between all of those options. Um, it's hard to it's hard to try to figure out what to do. Doug, what are your thoughts on that? Well, PJ's defense has improved, but his offense has has struggled, and I think there's there's it's part of that. He's had to he's had to have so much responsibility on defense that I think it does affect his offense. But I just wanted to back up West with a stat here. So over the past eleven games, so we're starting back with the win against Denver, uh, where they really started to lock in the defense and a three game winning streak before dropping two to the Suns and the Wizards. So last eleven games, PJ Washington offensive rating one hundred nine point four, defensive rating ninety seven point one. Uh, he is tops in defensive rating over the last 11 games with the Charlotte Hornets, Ish Smith and Cody Martin, also with sub uh, 100 defensive ratings. His net rating is 12.3, uh, which is the highest by a large yeah. margin. Uh, Ish Smith at 2.9, Cody Martin at 3.1. I mean, that's that's the stat, right? Like that's that's tough to trade. You know, yeah. I'm sorry, Terry. I, I want to correct myself. Terry Rozier. So 12.3 for PJ Washington on net rating. 11.4 is Terry Rozier yeah. coming in a second. Well, and 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 you're not and you're not trading Terry right now. So like for the sake of this conversation, when you talk about trading the highest net rating, somebody that's pretty visible, like you see how he makes the team better. Certainly on one end of the court, even when a shot isn't falling. When it is falling, then it's phenomenal, right? Like and and it plays out over a season when you get. When you get a season sample size, he shoots 40% when he just goes to these cold streaks like we see from some of these players. All right, we got to move on. We got to go to a different segment. I want to get Wes's thoughts on Miles Bridges' phenomenal performance at the Madison Square Garden. Also, want to talk about Kelly Oubre being questionable for tonight's game against the Boston Celtics. But first, we got to talk about prize picks because it's the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. They offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator, and they offer all the superstar players as well as the bench players players only recording a handful of minutes each game. They offer any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, etc. You pick two to five players and an over and under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. So what you can do is you can go to prizepicks.com and you can check out all of the better options that they have, whether they be those starters, whether they be the bench players. It doesn't matter. Go there today. Go to your app store and download the app. All users that deposit and use promo code NBA will get $50 free if your first prize picks entry scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit and use promo code NBA will get $50 free if your first prize picks entry scores just a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Let's talk about some of the major storylines coming into the next segment on the Lockdown Horn. It's podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. You know, you give them the pink to let them know you have the a little bit of a softer side, but you give them the black to let them know it's still real out here. <laughs> <laughs> I just gotta let you know it's still real. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. We saw Miles go nuclear at the Garden. It was awesome. 38 points, 22 points in the first quarter. So really got them off and rolling. I think Terry Rozier had a nice stretch in the middle of that game. But it was really Miles Bridges who had a career day and at least got some attention back to possibly getting in 
a legit all-star conversation, already a top 10 vote getter in the front court, but maybe performing on that stage, right? A game where there weren't too many NBA games happening at that point. He demanded your attention. It was really awesome to see. Wes, what were some of the notes you took down when you got to see Miles Bridges perform the way he did up in New York City? Well, the thing I like about Miles a lot is that I heard him say uh, a couple games back how um, I forgot which game it was, and he told Ash at halftime that uh, the team had taken things personally and, and he had taken things uh, personally. And so that's the thing I like about Miles is that you really get the gist from him that the losses really hurt him. He's really disappointed by them, not that it doesn't other players, but I say all that to say you could see that in his performance in New York. Uh, you could tell that he was probably the most angry about what had happened against Orlando. <laughs> that was a game yeah. that, of course, it's, it's tough to beat a team three times in a row, but uh, they really should have beaten that Orlando team. The Hornets were red hot. They're a better team in Orlando. Let's face it, Orlando has seven wins coming into that game. So you could tell just coming out in that New York game that he really wanted to set the tone, especially with Nola Mello, and that Miles was hot. He was steamed about what had happened the game before because I know these guys like to get on winning streaks. They don't want something to break it up. And for a team like Orlando to be the team that to do that, it was very disappointing. And so I, I read their post-game comments after the Orlando game, and they talked about how basically they said they didn't take Orlando serious. And Miles said specifically that that they get up easily for the Sixers, for the Bucks, but they don't get up like they need to for teams like the Magic. So you could tell that he was steaming. And it came out in a 22-point first quarter. Uh, we were playing over and under, my girl and I on – how many points he would finish with. I thought he would go around 43, but he got 38, which was more than enough because, you know, you get off to 22 in the garden, yeah, no, the nostalgia, yeah, you like, man, what am I about to be in for? And just the shots that he was hitting, but the thing I loved about it was just the aggression. That's the thing I took notes about the most from his performance was just the aggression, how he said, today, fellas, we're not going to come out and get off to a slow start. We're going to come out here and establish ourselves early, let New York know that we're here to play some basketball. There's not going to be 10, 12, 15 points down early and digging ourselves out of a hole. And so he came to play. I don't think it had anything to do with the Garden. I don't think it had anything to do with it being the Knicks. I think it was just straight mouth saying, I'm mad about what happened last game. I'm pissed off that we lost, and I'm going to come out here and set this off, and y'all follow me. So, I mean, Wes, do you think he's a lock for most improved player? And a, a, a question on top of that, do you think he's a lock for most improved player? And do you think he's a lock uh, to secure a max contract in the offseason? I definitely think he's a lock to get a max contract. Uh, just yeah. the market is going to dictate that. I mean, you know, he's averaging around 19, eight boards. So not necessarily superstar numbers to get that max contract, but he's shown you flashes. And he's shown dependability this year. So I think for sure that Mike is going to dictate that he gets that max contract for sure. And I think he's deserving. Um, I'm not going to say that. I think he's deserving. Uh, and in the first part, you said, do I think he's a lot for most improved player? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't see many guys that have improved as much as he has. And I was just saying the other day, just kind of in also to speak of, I remember when the Hornets drafted him and not that I was down on him, but just from what I saw at Michigan state, he looked like he was going to be mostly a power player. Wasn't sure if the jump shot was going to develop. And I remember going to the games last season with my son and just watching the acrobatic finishes at the rim and him shooting the three. And I said, man, Miles is really, 
worked on his game and he's becoming a complete player. And now you see this year that even more of the work that he's put in is showing. So I don't see many players across the league that have improved as much as he has. So to answer your question, I say yes and yes. Yeah, Walker I, Walker was down on him. Oh, for sure. Well, <laughs> where were you? How how happy were you about Miles Bridges? I was I, ecstatic. I, I knew I saw exactly yeah. what was coming. I knew that he was going to build into this player. Of course. Yes, of course, of course you did. From Everybody Flint. did. Oh, I definitely, I definitely was down on Miles Bridges, wasn't a fan. And the the thing is, man, like you just watch how much he grew even after just a bad second year. Because I think if you were to try to gauge expectations at the end of each of his seasons, rookie year, I thought maybe a tick above expectations. Like, okay, did a few things that I didn't expect, really like what he got you. And then second year was was pretty bad. I mean, shooting percentages weren't good. Defensively had a ton of lapses. I just thought he was flat out a bad player his second season. And then his third year, he blossoms into this player that isn't asked to do a whole lot more. Second half, he steps up in the absence of Gordon Hayward. And I think that's the thing I wanted to touch on most, Wes, when you brought up, especially with no LaMelo. Miles is a guy you're starting to be able to depend on. I mean, every single time somebody's out and Miles has it within him to say, yeah, I'm going to take over this one. Like, OK, he's going to deliver. And, and I think that's what's so fun to watch about Miles maturity. And even James Borrego spent most of his postgame availability talking about Miles after that New York contest, about how he's able to put the ball in the deck a lot more. He's playmaking a lot more where his passing was on full display in that game against the Knicks too. Like you, you see him take more responsibility, become a true threat that can have the offense run through him. And I think that's what's really interesting to see how he's developed into a really, really fun basketball player. Let's talk about somebody else that's been very good for them. You know, Miles Bridges, I think is a lock for most improved player. Kelly Oubre, also is in the conversation to get six man of the year. Injury certainly doesn't help. Tyler Hero having the kind of cachet he brings, still probably going to win that. But I think you've been able to see here, West, the offensively not scoring as many points, Kelly Oubre not being in the game. I don't think that's a coincidence. He's been somebody that's been able to fill it up once he comes off the bench. And I think because of his absence, they've been hurting a little more offensively. Uh, how badly do you think they need Kelly back? Maybe getting him tonight against the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can get one of your best players, because he has been that this year. He's been one of the Hornets' best players, and there's no denying it. Uh, he's averaging 16 points on the season and still uh, the only player or one of the few players in the NBA to have a 35-point game uh, on the bench, coming off the bench, and as a starter. So this guy is instant offense. Uh, if you want to go back old school to microwave like Benny Johnson, <laughs> that's what there Kelly Uber is, man. He comes off the bench, and he is going to get buckets. And like I said, you couldn't find a better fit for a team. And he's been with the Hornets. I mean, this is a guy that's going to come in. He's going to find the open spots on the court. And when you get it to him, you can pretty much mark it down and start running another way to play defense. When he puts it up, it's going to go down. So anytime you can get a guy back like that, and I think he is one of the guys that makes the Hornets so potent because I feel like, or potent because he, he's been pretty consistent this season too. Like he doesn't have a lot of bad games uh, on his resume. Most nights he comes in and is fairly productive once he steps uh, into the lineup. So he's just one of the most dangerous Hornets. So 
you have to, you know, welcome him back. The Hornets and the Raptors are the only two teams with five guys uh, averaging 15 or more, and he's one of them. So you need one of your pieces back, just like Voltron. You need one of your parts. I guess he might be <laughs> the arm since he can shoot. So <laughs> you need Kelly back in there for sure. Yeah, I mean, the success of the Kelly Oubre acquisition paired with the improvements that we've seen from P.J. Washington's defense and the improvements, the the ascension, the leap that Miles Bridges is taking, all of that has combined to almost make them a little too potent offensively in that you now have a, a glut of options that you can look to with you add in Gordon Hayward and Terry has um, has certainly shown uh, an amazing ability to score late buckets. So you've got a lot of pieces there. It it honestly, for me, I think it opens up this necessity to make a deal at the trade deadline to go back to our discussion in the first segment because I think you have so many options offensively, you can afford to trade some of that offense for defense. And you, you may need to trade some of that offense for defense so that you can allow the pieces that you do see yourself moving forward with, if that's Miles Bridges, if that's Gordon Hayward, if that's Terry Rozier, whatever those pieces are that you want to pair with LaMelo Ball moving forward – you, you need to give them room to grow. I do a little, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I have a little bit of a green thumb. I've been doing a little bit of gardening. Mm-hmm. And one of the keys to gardening is that you have to plant things a certain distance. Uh, you have to give them distance so that they have room to take root and grow. And I think that's, that's Miles Bridges. And what I'm saying is uh, I'm an amazing gardener. Yeah, that's what we wanted to take away from this podcast first and foremost. The only yeah. thing I would say Do about all of that. There? <laughs> that's important. I had a buddy of mine have an eye injury, man. You got to have your stuff on. You can't be out there in the yard playing around. No, that's you true. can't. No, I appreciate that, Doug, and I appreciate that, Wes. Thank you. I, I'm going to be able to go safety first and have my and have my safety. Don't want to take a me. don't want to take a piece of kale to the eye. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I would say about that is you talk about maybe sacrificing offense for defense. Like the most tradable person we've talked about is PJ Washington. That's kind of doing the opposite. You're trading defense for mm-hmm. maybe more defense, right? Like you're not. So does that mean you're kind of in favor of moving a Kelly Oubre? I know you've talked about him being untradeable. Like, like wh- where does the offense go? Like, you know, who who is the offensive piece well, that has to be moved out? Well, we've heard the Pacers were were interested in and in possibly acquiring Gordon Hayward. If that okay. was if that was a maneuver, um, I think I'd be less inclined. And this is just me personally. I mean, I would be less inclined to see certified gamer Terry Rozier leave the Charlotte Hornets because he's just been impacting individual games, um, you know, so incredibly that, that I would hate to see, see him leave. And he's been such a force to bring this team together. I think that that would be something you're missing as well, but I just think you have to do something. That's my whole, if I could hang a banner, if I could, if I could rent an airplane and fly a banner, you're poking somebody, I would say do something. something. Mm -hmm. So what's your, what's your, what's your end game? with making that move do you do you want to win a playoff series this year or next year are you looking at possibly going to eastern conference finals like that's my thing with the hornets making the deal i know as far as salary wise they got to make some moves as well but like what do you feel like is the end game like what do you feel like another piece will get us to long time listeners of this podcast will know that i've always preached patience and preached having a strategy that makes sense in the short term and the long term. But then this thing happened. They they got lucky in the draft and acquired LaMelo Ball. And LaMelo is only getting better, and the clock is going tick, 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 tick. 
And so, yes, I do. I think the Hornets have an obligation to accelerate the the window of competing in the playoffs, and and they have enough pieces to do it. It's now just about acquiring the the right pieces to compete in the playoffs, and I'm not sure they have those pieces on on the roster right now. Well, and and, and you talk about preaching patience. I mean, they have like Mitch Kupchak has yeah. not jumped the gun on anything. And I, I'm totally with you. You just don't want to fall asleep while waiting. And that's the problem. It's, hey, are you not jumping on this opportunity because patience has worked for you so far? At some point, it seems like you got to make a move. And this is what we talked about with the Boston Celtics. Well, we almost traded for him. It was so close. We almost traded for him until you don't have a championship. You don't have an Eastern. You don't, you don't get to the NBA finals at all to show for it. Right. Like we're, we're on a different tier below that right now. But at, at this point, I, I think it was fine to come out, come out with the playoff mandate for me. I want to be competitive in the postseason this year. If you're asking me what I want more than anything, I, I don't need a playoff series win. I want to feel like we could though. <laughs> I want to be, com- I want to yeah, feel be, the feeling. I, I want to be competitive in the first round of the playoffs, and if we lose, then hey, we come. Well, in that's with some what hope that's what season. that's what sixteen felt like. That's what twenty sixteen yeah. felt like. Except, except you have younger players here. You know, like yeah. th- th- this is going to be more sustainable. That's what I would want. I think if they get to six or seven, which I think they're more than capable, and really with all the home games they have left and the way that they play at home, they could maybe even dare to say get to five or six. If you get to five or six. I think that's well ahead of what people, because I know preseason publications had the Hornets like still kind of out on the outside looking yeah. in. So yeah. if you get the five, six, seven, I think you're a little bit ahead of the curve and the mellow ball has to look and kind of like what he sees. And then I think in the off season, maybe you look and say, okay, what can we do to get to the next level? But I think right now, unless it's just something Urshan or me personally, I think they should stick with it yet. Because and, I, and you know what? And they, they can maybe be, competitive with just the roster they have now I think they could and so if that's if that happens then that's fine and then the offseason they can start to explore that a little more you brought up the standings I want to do a standings check coming up next in the last segment of the Lockdown Hornets podcast do want to make a point to mention bet online if you want to bet on where these teams might finish at the end of the season bet online is the place to go they'd like to wish you a happy new betting year as they continue the march to the playoffs they're right in the thick of it with the NFL it remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022 it's a new year so you get a new updated desktop and mobile website so you can sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code locked on to get started from football basketball hockey boxing ufc right to your favorite vegas casino game don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022 bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports bet online where the games start standings check Boston Celtics game, Wes Bryant show and tell. It's coming up in the third segment of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. We've been trying to decipher what the Thanksgiving sixth dish of the year is. Like, is there a dish at Thanksgiving that you think is the sixth dish of the year coming off of the bench and giving you big time minutes helping you win games? Wow. Well, see, I've been kind of screwed um, by my selection of a wife. Um, I always love sweet potatoes. Elaborate, Eric. Hurry, elaborate. Yeah, please, please, please. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
talking about what we want to see from the Charlotte Hornets at the end of the season. I want them to be competitive in a playoff series, but they got to get there first, right? Right now, they're a seven seed right in front of the Washington Wizards by just one game, a game and a half up on the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics, who they play tonight. We'll get to that in just a moment. And they're just a game and a half back of Philly in the sixth spot. And how about Milwaukee? They've been falling recently. You saw the Hornets contribute to that. Milwaukee, only two games above the Hornets. Like, that's that's crazy, okay? If you were to tell me that the Milwaukee Bucks would be only two games above the Hornets at this point in the season without significant injury, right? Because they still have Giannis. They still have Middleton and Drew Holiday. All of them have played a decent amount of games. And still, the Hornets only two games back. That's crazy. Cleveland, they're two and a half games up. Brooklyn, they're three and a half games up. Like, it's it's crazy to think the Hornets are within striking distance of some of these teams, but it goes to Wes's point. Can you hang around enough, especially with this schedule, going to be a lot easier than it was in the first half, to just get an outright top six spot, avoid the play-in tournament altogether, and if you get that six spot, then maybe you get lucky and you face a Cleveland. Maybe you get uh, a Miami falling back to three and Brooklyn uh, gets ahead of them. Like, it, there are some nice things at play when you check on the standings right now. More than anything, it's what type of mentality does this team play with? We've heard JB say it all season long, especially when you talk about defense. He's like, oh, it's just a mentality. Guys, games when they played or stretches when they played great defense, he's like, yo, this team came in with the right mentality, communicating and doing the things they need to do. And we've seen them, like I said, beat the Milwaukee Bucks twice. We've seen them beat the Warriors. We've seen the Hornets when this team really is locked in and playing the way that they need to play, they're hard to beat. And the biggest thing for them is really just getting off the good starts. I've been watching them yeah. so much now that I can tell early on how the game's going to go, <laughs> where their mind is at <laughs> when the game starts. Because the thing about the Hornets that makes them so tough, what Doug said about them having a gluttony of scorers, is that it's hard to come back on the Hornets when they get you down because they have too many bucket getters. And that's the thing for the Hornets is get off to an early start. When they come out and they're down 15, when then your margin of error shrinks so much that you're like, okay, yeah, we might get on an 8-0 run, but if we have a concentration lapse on defense, somebody hits a 3 or they might go on a quick 6-0 run and put us back down 14. Yeah. But when they come out and they get ahead of you, it's hard to catch them because, again, it's kind of reversed. When a team comes and – makes a quick 6-7-8-0 run, but the Hornets can come down, and, yeah, they might miss a couple of shots, but somebody's going to hit something because they have too many guys that can score them with the way that they play. And I think also when the Hornets don't get caught up in playing hero ball, which that hasn't happened too much this season, when they come down and be one of the top assist teams in the NBA that they are, they're extremely difficult to beat. So for me with them, as far as going into the playoffs, mentality, things of that nature, the key for them is just – mentally where are they at are they to the point where they're mature enough to approach a playoff series to know every game has got to be a level yeah you're going to have the bus games where you're going to get beat the teams are going to come in with their a level but to me when the hornets are really on their game they are a very difficult team to beat as constructed yeah i mean at this point i would be disappointed with a play-in entry i mean i really feel oh, like yeah. if you if you had told me that boston was going to suffer like they've suffered if you had told me that the Atlanta Hawks were yeah. not going to be serious in, in serious playoff contention at this point in the season, uh, and and that you had two players that were going to be in awards contention, and Kelly Oubre and Miles Bridges, 
I would say, all right, yeah, the, the expectation has to be not play in, but playoffs and, mm-hmm. and being competitive in the playoffs. And I, I think the Hornets, I think they are thinking this way. And I think Hornets fans have to think this way too and say, hey, let's set the expectations high at this point and say, yes, I want, I think the Hornets absolutely should not only be in play in contention, but playoffs contention and playoff series victory contention. And it starts tonight. The lights are bright. ESPN against the Boston Celtics, a team that beat them at overtime on national television earlier this season. To me, this is a huge test if the Hornets uh, can can play with everybody looking at them just like they will be in the playoffs. Can they can they get up for this game and and play well? Yeah, so the Boston Celtics, they've won five of their last six games. A couple of them have come against the Indiana Pacers. Their only loss came to Philly. They did beat the Chicago Bulls 114-112, to their most recent game. They played the Pelicans and beat them 104-92. to So Boston is 23-22 and on the season in the standings check, right? We just did. <clears throat> the Celtics are a little bit behind the Charlotte Hornets. I kind of feel the same way as I did coming into that New York game. You want to beat these teams that you're – quote-unquote competing with for seeding in the Eastern Conference. Like, they have a couple of stars in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and you want the Charlotte Hornets to get a victory over them where it's not a Milwaukee or Philly-type win, but it's still one you feel good about. Orlando, that's one you have to take care of, and you're happy you escaped. You, you lost, right? So now you're feeling even worse about it. But New York, that's one you feel decent about. Boston, I hold in that same kind of tier. And if they lose to them, then it's going to be, well, okay, like we probably are just going to be in the middle of the road. We're, we're going to try to find something else to get us out of this tier of, of those type of 500, maybe a little above um, teams in that conference part and that standings part of the uh, conference, I should say. And then if they beat Boston, it's like, all right, you know, maybe there is some real hope that they can be better than New York and all those other teams we've just mentioned. Uh, yeah, and by the way, the Hornets are 16-10 and 10 against the Eastern Conference this season. I mean, they, they're, they're, a lot of their losses were accumulated on some of those brutal West Coast road trips, yeah. schedule losses kind of thing. They're six, they can compete in the Eastern Conference. They're 12-6 and six at home. That 16-10 and 10 record is better than the 76ers. It's better than the Bucs. So, I mean, they, to me, uh, I just think that it's got to start tonight, and, and I think the Hornets – should abs- they're, in, they're in a tier right now with the Wizards, Raptors, and Celtics. It's the who's for real tier. Yeah, And, yep. and I think the Hornets have to start tonight saying we are for real. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, Wes, it's time. Let's do the show and tell. Show and uh, I, tell. While, while show we get your, your object ready, I do want to talk about a new segment we're going to be debuting next week with one Wes Bryant. Doug comes up with the straight fire or the straight fizzle, because Wes has been doing this segment on Valley Sports, straight fire. I think he comes up with some of the better plays of the week, even just the the previous game, some of the games at halftime, or some of the plays that have happened up until halftime. So straight fire, we know Wes Bryant's all about it. So Doug has come up with straight fire, or straight fizzle. I don't even know what he's going to throw at us. Like, who... Who has any clue with somebody like Doug Branson? But I have to imagine this is going to be straight fire, Wes. What do you have for us in show? And yeah, man, straight fire. It's the best plays from the previous game or games, depending on right, the okay. gap between when the fans get to see me. Again. You know what I'm saying? That's so perfect. So this week, <laughs> for show and tell, we go back to my sneaker addiction. Uh, and uh, this is a Deodora collab with Rocky. Man, I'm a huge Rocky fan. 
And, uh, you know, Diodora, and it was so funny. I was out at the mall, and my girl had asked me about Diodoras, and I was like, man, that's old head shoes. I remember my grandma, <laughs> like, Diodoras. I was like, I don't want any Diodoras. Then I see these, and I'm, like, just infatuated. So what they did was they did a collab, like I said. Okay. And, oh, wow, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, and so they did it for each of the three villains. They don't have a rocky shoe, but they did it for each of the three villains. You see the and that's what's really cool, man. You see the box, you know, oh, you got yeah. Drago, you got Apollo Creed, and you got Clubber Lane, right? So, so well, real really, quickly, let, let take taking a break just for the people only listening via podcast. One, get to YouTube already. Two, what's happening is the shoe box has all of the three villains from Rocky or the three bigger ones on the shoe box as soon as you open it up. And yeah. Wes is about to make the grand unveiling of what the shoe yeah. is going to look like. So I wanted all of my dope, straight fire. Okay, <laughs> all on my dope. I wanted the Apollos because I thought those were the hottest, but I kept having issues ordering, et cetera, et cetera. So I ended up having to get the Drago ones, which Drago was my favorite one anyway. All right, so so we got the shoe right here, right? Let me... There you go. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. matches the it's shorts. Fi it's fire colors. Oh, Look right? at that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, then you got, boom, this little, you got the head right there. You okay. got the sticker, yeah. Then you got it right there. Okay. That's then pretty got, sweet. Then you got the name on the shoe. Oh. Then you got the win loss. So he puts the wins and losses. Yeah. <laughs> on each one. So the one L came from Rocky. Spoiler right? alert. Yeah. So you yeah, got the one L from time. Rocky, but then you got the 31 dust. I don't know how they came up with that because they ain't show 31 fights in the movie. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> these shoes are so detailed, though, man. That's what makes them so dope, too. So no, those know. are phenomenal. Like, those yeah, are man. phenomenal. Yeah, man. Then, then you see the. Um, what is that? The soul? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the um God Lee, I don't know why my, my sneaker vernacular is lacking right now. <laughs> <Yes>. But <laughs> but you um yeah, the inside. That's what we call it. That's what we say, the inside. Yeah, that's fine. So yeah, man, but when I saw these, man, I, the more I kept looking at it, I watched YouTube reviews and just seeing them unboxed from other people, and I was like, yo, these are crazy. So I had to have a pair. And uh you got something else, Wes? Huh? Oh, okay. I thought you were. I thought you were waiting for something else. And so my no, no, my no, question... no, no. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, I might end up, man. My addiction might get the best of me. I might get all three, man, because they all. No the way. The club of the club of lanes are uh, baby blue, and uh -huh. then uh, Apollo's are red, white, and blue, man. So they, they're all dope. But man, uh, like I said, the Diodoras, they're like the NN. What's the? It's it's like their base model, and they did a thing. It's the in nine thousand two, so uh, my first pair of Diodorus, man. But they look wow. good. They look great. Are you gonna wait for a special occasion to wear them, or are you gonna try to wear? Them oh no, no, no! Can? I wore these the first as soon as I got yeah. them. I think <laughs> okay. my son went to the, we were hanging out running errands. I said, "Oh, I gotta put these on." So got to. Yeah, I put them because I had a Jordan sweatshirt that matched with them perfect. There you go. Perfect. Excellent. Go ahead and put yeah. them on. Don't have to wait at all. All right, that's yeah. Wes Bryan. Not only on Bally Sports, the Charlotte Hornets insider, also a part of the ACC Digital Network. Make sure you follow him not only on Twitter at Westcott Range, but go hit the gram up to Westcott Range. Also talking about college sports, specifically the ACC. Always a good time, Wes. We appreciate hopping on this Wednesday, man. No doubt, man. Maybe the Hornets can find a way to get Paolo Banchero. Yeah, hey, let's get lucky again. We, we got look now. I'm greedy. We never had any yeah. luck in the lottery. 
we strike it once with LaMelo, I'd be just fine making sure that we can get another star or somebody that is a potential star with the Charlotte Hornets organization. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen every day. Make sure you join us tomorrow. We'll recap that Boston Celtics game. Make your second listen. Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Beat the Celtics.